The moniker zealot can imply the erasure of conventional behavior where anything is justified in support of the goal. Leaders who inspire others to seemingly irrational commitment are a special breed that can generate hurricane-like winds of disruption and change. The zealots profiled in the book frustrate the archetype of a textbook leader, but they are a vital focus of any leadership study because they lay the bare they lay bare the idea that leadership is a feedback loop more than a top-down process. Today we are joined by Hall of Famer Dr. Renee Shingles to discuss the topic of bad leadership right here on the Sports Medicine Broadcast as we go back to the foundation book, Leaders, Myth and Reality, to review the traits that will help us become better leaders within our profession of athletic training. I've always felt that we can learn more from bad leaders than the good ones, and today's show will highlight the section of the book entitled Zealots. Before we get back into the book, I'd like to welcome our guests. Good morning, Dr. Shingles. Welcome, Jeremy. Good morning, John. Good morning, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good morning. This show will be sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash leadership failures. So we'll have links to the show notes, uh, resources, things we mention, and obviously ways to contact us. So this one again is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash leadership failures. So without much further ado, Dr. Shingles, um, why don't you give us a little bit of your bio? I know John is connected through uh, to you through the interns y'all do, but uh, just a little bit of your background. Uh, yes, I am the, um, the program director for the athletic training program at Central Michigan University. I'm also the representative chair of the School of Rehabilitation and Medical Sciences. Um, so yes, John and I know each other through our internship site at CMU. We have interns with Bloomfield Hills High School, and he has been a great preceptor, by the way, uh, for us. And uh, a part of my leadership background, I've been um, intimately involved with the National Athletic Trainers Association through a number of committees. Um, and uh, I've had the opportunity to work with the Ethnic Diversity Advisory Council and Ed Council, Education Council as well. Um, and currently I serve as a director for the Board of Certification. And so it's been a great opportunity. Um, those things have led to uh, my opportunity to become a Hall of Famer for the National Athletic Trainers Association. And so it's um, been some great uh, experiences. And as John has indicated, I've had some great leaders and I've had some not so great. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I, you know, like we started talking about a little bit in the pre-show and um, I've I've thought about this for quite a while, actually. Um, I, I've always felt that I've had really good, strong leaders and good mentors in my profession, in my professional career. Uh, and, and I don't want to discredit the lessons I've learned from them because obviously they were really great, but I've learned so much more from the negative people and the negative leaders and the, the, the bad leaders, um, that, that negative, that negative experience has been more impactful for me in a, in a weird way. And, um, and, and, and McChrystal kind of states it in the book when he's talking about zealots. One of the people he talks about is um, the leader of ISIS who he fought against. Um, and there's a respect to be had um, for terrible leaders. I know it's weird and mm -hmm. uh, to, to kind of wrap your head around how much we can learn and respect bad leaders. Um, and that's why I really felt like we, we should talk about that um, while discussing leadership traits for our profession. Um, I, I understand. Um, I've had some 
as with you, I've had some great mentors. I've, uh, but there's there are some things to be learned. Um, in my thought, I think of I think of it as learning what not to do um, in terms of of leadership. And you know, I thought further back in history when you were talking about you know um, you know to Hitler who. Um, for whatever reason, was able to mobilize a group of people to do very, very, very bad things, um, you know, and killing so many people, and mm-hmm. and, and um, it's unheard of in a sense. Um, but there are those individuals in history who have been able to mobilize and galvanize people to do wrong or to do bad or to help them to feel like that that's the right thing to do, but in fact, it's not. Right. Um, and so. Um, you're right. What are the things that we try to learn from that? What can we glean um, from those things and learn what not to do, in, in my opinion, what not to do? Jeremy, do you have anything to add? Some of the things that, that first come to mind are like the like the old school coaches, the, the people who, well, this is the way it's always been done. Well, that's not a good way to do things. It's you know, you see it all the time now if you're on social media, the the line that'll kill your business or kill your practice or whatever it is, is this is the way it's always been done because they're just unwilling to adapt or change. And so obviously to me, those are bad leaders um, because they're just not looking at what the situation needs. They're just doing it because they're doing it, right? And some of the ones we um, that I think of is... Um, they don't ask why they're just, they just come in and make changes. Like the kind of the current situation I'm in where I felt like there was never a conversation had with me, but there were some changes that were, well, these changes are needed. We need to, we need to make these changes. I don't have any idea who you are, or what you do, but we need to make these changes. Like, really? I mean, well, let's find out what I'm doing. Let's find out what works. Right. And then, you know, I always, I always think of, <laughs> we talk about bad leaders talking about Dave Ramsey um in one of the videos he's saying you know I was driving on the freeway and we were we were doing 70 miles an hour down the freeway and then my wife looks up and says hey we're going the wrong wrong direction and he says yeah but we're making great time <laughs> right? so yeah you're you're getting it you're moving you're getting up at 4 30 every day you're grinding you're putting stuff out on social media but you're going in the wrong direction and so those are some bad leaders and I don't know if those are what what completely count as zealots, but those are just some of my, my thoughts or experiences uh, with bad leadership. So I would add to that, you know, I've had, you know, some individuals that I work with um, previously who tried to lead by intimidation. And, you know, I can clearly remember this individual towering over me. Now, for those who don't know, I'm about five foot one on a good day. (laughs) And so this person is towering over me. We're literally standing toe to toe and they have on these aviator glasses um, and, you know, hands on hips, looking down at me, um, you know, trying to intimidate me with regard to what was going on. I was on the field um, at the time and I put my hands on my hips and looked up at that individual and, you know, just gave it back. Um, but it was not the way to, you know, have a collegial conversation um, regarding what was going on with the athletes that I was tending to at the time. And and so, but nonetheless, it taught me how to make sure I stood up for myself. It also taught me how to 
um, address individuals who try to bully me. Um, and it taught me how to stand up for my athletes and really understand uh, my role as an athletic trainer. And my role wasn't to please the coach. My role was there to take care of the athletes and make sure that they got the best possible care. Um, but that individual was certainly trying to control me, if you will, you know, via intimidation. And so I think there are individuals out there who um, who do that type of leadership and think it's okay. And you know, in my opinion, it certainly isn't. Um, but it certainly taught me some lessons. So did you have that type of experience um, multiple times, or was it just one that was so so strong that you obviously it's burned in your memory, um, you know, that, that it caused you to learn from it or were there multiple experiences in that? Um, well, there were multiple experiences with that particular coach. Um, I don't think, uh, that individual was happy having a woman on the sidelines. This was, you know, in the eighties, um, let alone a woman who looked like me on the sidelines. And I can clearly remember um, this was uh, during a day when you gave a coach's report face to face. That may not happen anymore <clears throat> because of other means of communication. Um, but I would give my coach's report and that individual would sit at his desk looking out the window in the opposite direction um, while I gave my report, um, would question my judgment on a number of fronts. So, you know, there were a myriad of issues happened with this particular individual that were just not good leadership, you know, again, intimidation, um, bullying, if you will, um, and just um, making communication exceedingly difficult uh, for me. But it helped me to, again, really solidify who I am, what I do, what my role and purpose were, and how to make sure that I kept at the forefront that my job was to take care of the healthcare needs associated with my athletes, my patients, period. And although I had to work with this individual, I didn't report to this individual, though he thought I did. Um, and, uh, well, I take that back. For one year, that person was the athletic director and the head football coach simultaneously. So I guess I did report to him one year. Um, but yeah, I, I really, it really helped me to, like I said, to solidify and understand who I am and why I was there and not be intimidated uh, by this individual. And later in my career, I ran across another coach who similarly um, was uh, trying to be intimidating. And after having had the first experience, I certainly knew what to do and how to handle it the next go around. Yeah. You, you have those experiences. Uh, we, we all have those experiences, right? We all have those experiences where somebody wants to bully you into a decision that you know is not correct. And um, I think all of us, unfortunately, probably give that first one or two times around, maybe a handful of times around. But when you start learning you know, how to not give in to those things and, and having a reason why you're actually not giving into those things, why you have a reason behind it, uh, it really does help you stand up to those bullies going forward and and learning from that behavior so that number one that you're standing up to those people but also that um 
you don't do it to other people. You don't do it to your coworkers. You don't do it to assistant coaches. You don't do it to athletes, more importantly. Um, and, and if you can learn from those things and be better, then, you know, that's obviously a more positive thing and positive experience for other athletes and, and coworkers that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I had a, um, a similar question not too long ago from uh, a young lady who was also working, um, happened to be working football and was the only female and dealing with, you know, male coaches who were not necessarily happy with her being there and um, and how to handle that. Um, and so I gave the same type of advice. You know, if you're going to fire me, um, because I didn't make the decision that the coach wanted me to make, but I made the right decision for my patient, then maybe that's not the place I need to be working. Um, because I'm not going to sacrifice my patient's health, nor am I going to sacrifice my integrity uh, for someone else, um, because that's what they think I should be doing, and they're not the healthcare provider. And, and so um, I think today it's important for uh, for athletic trainers to remember, we're the healthcare providers. We're the ones with the education, with the degrees, with the credentials, with the licenses to make the decisions that we do and to not be bullied or intimidated into making the wrong decision um, because someone else thinks we should be making a different decision. And that individual does not have typically, particularly if they're a coach, that individual is not likely to have the background, the knowledge um, and the skills to be able to make the, health, the appropriate healthcare decisions for the patients and for our athletes. Yeah, having all that information um, is is so incredibly important. That's why you know, we talk about over communicating, over educating everybody. You know, mm -hmm. It's easy to 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 fall into the trap of I know what I'm talking about, so listen to me. But when you start educating people and and telling them this is the reason why we're doing it, and giving them as much information as possible. I had a parent on Thursday night. Um, I was looking at his son for concussion symptoms and dad was an EMT back in the early nineties. So he knows his stuff better than me apparently. And, um, you know, and I've dealt with this parent before, so I've dealt with this situation and last time was incredibly frustrating. So when I knew I saw him coming down the bleachers, I'm talking to mom and I just out of the corner of my eye, I see him coming down the bleachers. Like I've already had that bad experience. And that's that, that, that response from him. I know he's going to ask me the same stupid questions that he asked me a year ago. And he started talking to me and he, he was like, well, did you check his pupils? <laughs> I did. Do you know why I'm checking his pupils? And then I just, you know, I was able to educate him and he, you know, he just stood there dumbfounded because, you know, he knew why I was doing something. So it, it was a funny ex exchange and I know he wanted to kind of one up me and be a bully and whatever. Um, you know, why, why he wanted to do that? I don't know, but, um, it was just fun because I was, I, I had that in my back pocket, but you know, if I don't do that, or if I don't have that experience with that dad, maybe I'll have an experience with another parent. Um, where I'm going to have to be, um, I don't want to say I wasn't appropriate, but more appropriate with this, a different parent and, and tell them why we're doing certain things. You know, mm -hmm. this is, this is what we're looking for in this, this test. This is what we're looking for here. Um, this is why this symptom is more, um, you know, causes for concern for, for us and, you know, to, to do that. And that's one of the things that's, um, that, that I do more, more now 
especially over the last couple of years, because when you start doing that, people realize why you're doing it and they, mm-hmm. they understand you and they respect your decision-making uh, as to the care of the patient or the athlete. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. You know, the, the why becomes real important. You know, if you're hauled into court over a decision, over a decision that you made, you need to understand why you did it and be able to explain to people why you did it. Um, that's important. It's, 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 it's knowing your stuff. And I think that goes to um, the point that Jeremy made earlier with regard to old school, you know, even as athletic trainers, you know, once you've been practicing for a while, um, there is new knowledge that, that comes into play and new guidelines and new procedures. Um, but if you're not uh, maintaining your credential uh, appropriately, if you're only checking the box for continuing education and not truly learning something new and trying to uh, maintain um, continuing education um, and not just uh, did I get an EDP point this go round and I get to check that box, um, then we fall into that same type of thing, you know, being bad leaders in the sense of, of healthcare um, and not staying on top of uh, what some of the newer trends may happen to be or what the research suggests for us in evidence-based practice. Um, and so I think it's important that we um, truly use continuing education as a way to educate ourselves, as a way to assess where are my strengths and weaknesses if you haven't done that in a while. And so what domains of athletic training do I need to shore up a little bit more uh, than a different domain in athletic training, um, particularly as it relates to your patient population um, or the types of uh, the setting you happen to be in, what are some things that are going on that you might need to know as athletic trainers in order to treat that patient population more appropriately today versus 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. All right. So we're going to kind of jump just a little bit. We, in the book, Extreme Ownership, there was the example, there's no bad, or this, this section called, there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. And so John, why, why did we pick the topic zealots? for bad leadership out of all of the, you know, 13 different characteristics of the uh, McChrystal's book. So, yeah, I think when you take a look at the two leaders, they're, they're hundreds of years apart. Um, Maximilien Robespierre, who led the French Revolution in the 1780s and 90s, um, was that type of leader. Obviously, they were both, um, you know, they, they don't follow the archetype of a true leader. Um, in, in the sense of kind of the traits that we're looking at, but they're leaders nonetheless. Obviously, they've led revolutions. Um, uh, they, they led, um, you know, mass amounts of people against others. Um, you know, so they're, they're too different, though. They're two very different types of people and different types of leaders. Uh, Robespierre, he kind of led by way of the pen, used his own uh, newspaper to spread information uh, for his his cause. Um, he's that type of leader that never steps out of the office, right? He's the one that will um, never get out and, and talk to other people or ask questions. Uh, he just directed from his office in solitude, and and it led to a revolution. Um, Al Zakari, who led ISIS, uh, in, in the mid two thousands, um, he was a fanatic and he ruled through fear. Now, uh, he's kind of a, a strange character to me because 
when you look at some of the things that he did, he was actually a really good leader. He was just very misguided. Um, his ideology was 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 really misguided, and, and the way he interpreted certain things, um, he felt that he needed to uh, go against what was going on in his life and his um, his area. So um, he was very disciplined, but he was an extreme authoritarian, and and he led through fear. Um, now, when we take a look at those two people, we can see some comparisons of the people we've worked with or worked for and, and been around. Uh, and luckily in our profession, we shouldn't have to deal with anything like this. However, bad leadership and bad leadership traits can lead to, like Dr. Shingle said, the negligence, the malpractice, unfortunately, it can lead to death. And if we can learn from some of those things, learn from um, those bad leaders and the bad leaders in the book and the bad leaders in our life, we can improve our mission to serve and care for our athletes and patients. There is a fly buzzing around my face. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm trying not to like, just make it obvious, like swatting, but, but it, it was literally on my mouth right here. So I was trying to lean forward to it was hidden by the microphone, but that gum. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right. Oh, so I'm sorry I wasn't completely paying attention to what you were saying, but uh, we were talking about <laughs> Robespierre <laughs> and Azakari about <laughs> leadership and bad leadership. So uh, why don't you guys pick it up from there? <laughs> oh, well, I was saying that we can learn from bad leaders to improve our mission to serve and care for our athletes and patients. I think if we can take away from the negative, we can turn that negative into a positive and help positively, positively impact the people around us. So Dr. Shingles, when we take a look at bad leaders, the archetype of bad guys, like you started talking about Hitler, um, we, we instinctively know that those things that identify them. However, if you are in a leadership position, how can we recognize those traits so that we don't become a negative or bad leader? Oh, wait, that's a good question. Um, how do we recognize those traits? Um, I think that part of it has to do with, um, you know, how that person is, um, is leading where they're coming from. You know, is this person coming from a position of team? You know, I want to do what's in the best interest of, of the team, you know, or is it about self? You know, I want to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And this is the way it should be done and no other way um, should that be done. Um, so I think that can be part of it. If you can, um, when you ask as a follower, because we don't talk about follower traits, follower traits are similar to, I think, um, leader traits, but if you look as a follower and you know, part of that role is asking why um, should we be doing X, Y, or Z? And if that leader does not have a good why, and it's only because I said so, you know, then I think that's beginning to recognize that there may be some um, issues there of bad uh, leadership. Um, so I think that's important to think about. Um, I think the other thing that you mentioned uh, as related to this notion of individuals who are sitting behind uh, the pen, so to speak, 
um, with what is going on um, and behind their desk and are leading that way. That reminds me of where social media is today. You know, there are individuals who, you know, sit and type uh, something on whether it's Twitter or uh, Facebook or some other social media and kind of toss a hand grenade and watch it explode um, and, and then step out uh, from the conversation and see what happens, um, as opposed to being fully willing to engage um, in conversation. Um, I had a situation um, where um, I'm on a particular listserv and, and I um, read this article about racism and uh, faith and where are faith leaders in a conversation um, about racism, about discrimination. And so I thought I would share it on this listserv. I thought it was a good way to have some conversation. The listserv happens to be of some church members of mine. I thought it was a good conversation. Um, and I put it out there and said, um, let's discuss this issue. Where does, where does faith play into one's issues with uh, social determinants. Um, and so someone, uh, lots of positive feedback from that, but this one individual um, wanted to tie, why was I talking about this? And why was I talking about these issues, these political issues in athletic training, though I didn't mention athletic training at all. Um, and where was I coming from with this? And it was kind of this, tossing a hand grenade and seeing what happens um, in terms of the response. And um, I responded back, um, one, you know, it was faith leaders who helped to move the civil rights movement, you know? Um, and so I wouldn't be here today if it were not for that situation. Um, and as relate, related to athletic training, it's important that we have conversations about discourse, that we have conversations about the role of our leaders um, in healthcare, because the people who make decisions, uh, the political leaders who make decisions can affect what we do in healthcare. You know, we wouldn't have uh, the Affordable Care Act had it not been for politicians and those who are trying to change the Affordable Care Act due to politicians. So, so that conversation. And so then the person was offline with me and decided to send me an email uh, separate from the group. And that email was about uh, the title of it had to do with the bully pulpit. And I went, where did that come from? Not what we were discussing. And so I extended an olive branch and said, let's have a conversation about this. Happy to have a conversation. Let's go to lunch. Let's have coffee. Let's have tea. And that individual, oh, oh well, you know, I'm a little busy. I don't have time for that. That's that person who is standing behind social media, you know, behind the scenes, just trying to quote lead in some way, but not stepping forward and being willing um, to truly engage in conversation. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we have a lot of that that's going on today. Uh, it's that person who's trying to do it by the pen, um, but not in a way that they really truly want to engage um, and have an informed conversation. And I think that's um, I think that's dangerous. Yeah, I like the the phrase the Facebook hand grenade, right? Like we see that a lot, um, and, and you know, when we did the preview show uh, that the audio got shut out, we talked a lot about the the amount of time that I spent on the Facebook secondary page, kind of going through stuff to 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 pull out some 
some questions or to pull out some some different scenarios and um you know that I, I probably spent like I said I've spent way too much time on on that and um there are sometimes people will throw out those hand grenades and and just to get something started and you see a lot of negativity come out mm -hmm. that's not just our secondary page that's not just any I mean that is literally everywhere in mm -hmm. social media and how do we pull people out of that and and engage one on one? And that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. We've kind of fallen down that trap of uh, relying on uh, technology to mm -hmm. fight our battles for us. And and you see that um, with leadership too. People will use technology to fight battles and to lead and direct rather than um, support and engage with other people. And uh, a true leader, a true true good leader engages with people they'll engage with discourse they'll engage in uh conversation and um and, and go from there so it, it is funny to see people use technology and hide behind things uh and and that's that's a social issue right that's not just athletic mm -hmm. training um that's everywhere uh, around us and, and we have to encourage people to step out from behind those and, and engage face to face yeah. And, and be willing to own what you're putting out there, hmm. you know, be willing to own it. You know, if you think it, then own it. Um, and if you want to put it out there, then own it. Um, and then let's have a conversation about it. Um, you know, the one thing that I had you know, shared was um, that in my classes, particularly in my diversity class, um, we we talk about issues that can be diametrically opposed, but we do it in a civil manner. We do it in a respectful manner. We do it in a way that sometimes we um, we may agree, we may disagree, we may agree to disagree, but we're able to have those conversations. And so I, I think that yes, social media certainly can be used you know, as a platform uh, for doing very positive things and it is used for very positive things. Um, and we have to meet people where they are, um, but I go back to that, you know, that person who is just trying to lead from the pen, if you will, but lead negatively from the pen as opposed to positively from the pen. Right. All right, John, one of the quotes that we have here in the notes is absolute power corrupts absolutely. And then you mentioned that takes people to like some dark places. And obviously, like if if I'm here and I'm the only one responsible for me. Nobody, this fly is still buzzing all around me. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying, but it's right in my face the whole time. <clears throat> so, so if I'm here by myself in passing high school and athletic training, and I'm just doing my own thing, I'm not reporting to anybody, I'm not kind of being kept in check, then I can do whatever I want, good or bad. So there's nobody keeping me from trouble. <laughs> keeping me from trouble. And so I'm going to flip it back to you so that I don't hit the microphone or something while I'm talking. So go ahead. So with that quote, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. How can leadership take people to dark places? Oh, wait, good question. I think, again, it goes back to absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You know, by not having, um, not having to be responsible for anyone, not, holding people in check, holding people accountable, not being held accountable, um, can run the risk of um, individuals thinking that what they're doing, um, that they don't have to, they don't have to respond to anybody, they don't have to be responsible to anybody, they can do whatever they want to, that could lead down a bad path. 
Um, and so I think that is important that we realize who we're responsible to. And first and foremost, we're responsible to our patients um, in terms of providing appropriate care. Um, and it's not about us as the athletic trainer, uh, which sometimes I people may think it's about me. No, it's not about me. It's about the patient and what the patient needs um, in order to um, return to their uh, level of activity uh, that they would like to, or hopefully that you can get them back to. Um, so I think that's an issue is when we start being in our own silos and in our own heads and not being responsible and not being responsive and not understanding to whom we really are responsible, which is our patients. Yeah. One of the things I learned from this kind of chat, bro, not kind of this chapter was the difference between good and bad leadership. Mm -hmm. You look at bad leadership, it's cyclical. You have those people that come in hot. They, um, like McChrystal puts it, they're like flames that consume all available oxygen. They're very hot burning. They're very fast. And then they die out. They're out of there. Those, those are those, um, people that will come in and, and within a couple of years, they're gone or maybe a year if you're lucky. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they're gone very quickly. Good leadership is enduring. They have meaning and they're not expedient. They are around as long as possible because people want to be around them. And that's the difference between these zealots and good leaders, right? They, they are always willing to help others. They don't have that ego is kind of what, you know, we start talking about with, um, those bad leaders that's, um, you know, that when they, when you start going into that dark place, those are the people with the big egos and, and they won't listen to other people. They'll put themselves in their own silos. Um, they won't listen to, to any input at all. Um, and they're going to lead very authoritarian and they're going to lead through fear. The good leaders are going to do the exact opposite and be the types of people that want others around them. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. You know, as you talked about this, this flame that sucks the air out of the room, you know, what you hope, first of all, you hope it doesn't happen to you, but if it does, you hope not to get singed and burned on the way as that person goes through. Mm -hmm. um, I, I liken that sometimes to the character of Pigpen in uh, Charlie Brown and Pigpen, you know, has that swirl uh, about him. Um, and, and so sometimes uh, those individuals have that swirl, almost the aura, if you will, that's just around them. And you just want to step out of the path and let that go past, right. you know, and hopefully not get sucked up into, into the middle of it, um, uh, which can be difficult sometimes, depending upon the type of job you have and the type of relationship you have with that individual who is is that flame that's, that's going by. Um, but I think with good leaders, and, you know, they ask why, um, they come with a humbleness that says they're willing to learn from the team um, and willing to um, put others before themselves uh, as it relates to for the betterment and for the good of all, um, for the good of the team, for the good of the program, whatever the case may be. Um, and so, you know, looking at bad leaders hopefully helps you to see uh, the traits that you don't want to have um, or looking at what 
maybe did they do before they went down the dark hole? Right. Um, and went down that pathway or went down a hole, I should say. Um, and I think that's important. Um, and then of course, surrounding yourself with people who do provide role modeling, appropriate role modeling. So you also see that juxtaposition. You understand this is what bad looks like, but it's also just important, just as important to have ideas of the positive role modeling so that you know how to do differently. Mm -hmm. um, from what that bad looks like, not just the opposite of bad, so to speak, um, but role modeling um, various ways of, of providing good leadership. Jeremy, it reminds me of uh, when we were at um, PSATs and we were talking to Kurt Andrews uh, and he, he took a job with Sporting Kansas City and on his first day, he's sitting in his office kind of putting together his desk and a random guy walks into his office, sits down and says, what do you think should change around here? And Kurt starts talking and gets up. The guy gets up and leaves after a couple of minutes. Somebody else walks in the office and says, you know who that guy was? And he was like, no, I don't know who that person was. He goes, oh, well, that was the owner. And to me, that was always a really interesting uh, story because wow. the owner wanted to learn from the new person what could change for the better on his first day in the office. Wow. Um, and, and how impactful is that, right? You have an owner that's willing to listen to you um, and, and to be willing to make changes so that the new person on the job has input and can lead and, um, you know, making sure that it's a team effort going forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the team effort, that's what's important. It's, it's something I, um, talk with our faculty about all the time. You know, we are a team and some people are able to do certain aspects of what they do because other members of the team are doing their aspect. And so how do we pull um, from the strengths of everyone around the table um, in order to have a positive impact um, on our athletic training program? Absolutely. All right, so we've been talking some about the all-consuming fire, the pig pen type method to where you're trying to stay out of the little tornado. Um, and we've talked some about the bad characteristics, so being like a bully or intimidating, you know, where you're standing down or you're trying to use your authority. And, you know, sometimes you just have to stand up. But <clears throat> how do we withstand those times? Um, you know, right now, basically anybody that's in a position like that is going to go to social media and say, oh, no, anonymous AT, Twitter, what do I do here in this situation? And then everybody's going to respond with the same thing. Like, just say no, walk away, that kind of thing. So realistically, what do we need to do to withstand and grow from those situations of bad leadership? Good question. Um, you know, what do we need to do to grow and learn? Um, some of it, I think, starts with self. Um, who am I? What am I? What do I think? What do I believe? Um, where's my own foundation? What do I know in terms of my knowledge? Um, what do I stand for? Um, because as has been said, if I don't stand for something, I'll fall for anything. So you have to know yourself um, um, before I think sometimes you can engage with others. So that if someone is coming at you negatively, um, you know, you know how to respond. Sometimes, you know, that response is to say nothing at that particular moment in time, because it might not be safe 
to say anything. Uh, sometimes it is to, I, I like Kenny Rogers, you gotta know when to hold them, you gotta know when to pull them, you gotta know when to walk away, you gotta know when to run. Um, and if you don't know yourself, you don't know how to then handle each of those situations. Um, because sometimes you do stand your ground and you stand toe to toe to that individual um, at that particular moment in time. At other point in times you recognize it is not safe to do that. I need to exit stage left. Um, and maybe that's where you get um, your human, uh, human resources. Uh, maybe it's your Office of Civil Rights who comes in and helps you and fights that battle for you. Um, yes, sometimes it is social media. You put it out there on social media and you get um, assistance uh, for those things. So I think there are a number of different ways. Sometimes you find your allies um, or those individuals who are willing to help you and support you what may be going on uh, in a given situation. Um, and so I think those are things to think about. So, so recently with my situation at, at work, um, there we go. <clears throat> I, I've been, you know, obviously I've talked a lot about the situation where I felt like somebody came in and just said, all right, well, we're just going to get rid of this stuff or we're going to change all this stuff. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do, but we're going to change. And then, so obviously I don't feel supported. I don't feel like I kind of felt like backstabbed by some people that I did trust. And it was a matter of, am I going to lose my cool? Am I going to blow up? Am I going to walk away and just say, forget it, I'm done? Or am I going to take these lessons that we've learned? Am I going to be a sustaining fire or am I just going to be this explosion? Um, and, you know, John mentioned it in the very first one where I got text him and said, all right, I may be done. And so he had a, I kind of talked me down off the edge. Yes, yes, the high school girl thing, John. Thanks. Appreciate it. <clears throat> uh, but really, like, even in a recent conversation that I've had with the leadership, it was, it was about taking those lessons and applying them. And I don't know where anybody listening stands with as far as religion or God, but, you know, I was reading in the Bible and in Acts, it was talking about Stephen was a man full of uh, godly wisdom and when he went into one of the cities, he was debating with the men, but it was wisdom from the spirit. And so nobody could stand up to him. Nobody could debate with him because of those conversations. And so for me, what I did was, you know, I was like, prayed, God, look, I can't control this situation. I can't, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your wisdom. What can I do? So instead of me saying like, well, no, this is what we're going to do, this, this, and this, I was like, let me reformulate those and ask questions. Let me say, what do you think? How do you feel? What is your concern? And then from there, there we're engaging in a conversation and opening up. You know, the end result was, well, let me reconsider what we were thinking about doing there. And because I didn't go in attacking, I opened up a conversation and I, and I you know, backed off and yielded to, to God's wisdom. It really made a difference. Whereas I, I could have really messed up the whole thing that we have going on here. If I just went in without any of this previous knowledge, that you know, thanks to John and obviously thanks to the Bible and things like that. Um, so I am really grateful for this series, but like I can see it playing out here in my personal life as well. Yeah, let me add a couple of things to that. Um, one, you know, when you're we're dealing with, like you said, the bullies or situations, it's a difficult conversation, and so. You know, some difficult conversations, there are a number of different methods out there. Um, you can just Google how to have difficult conversations and you'll find all sorts of things that pop up, you know, but listening, trying to diffuse the situation, trying to affirm where the person is coming from and then have a particular response, uh, you know, can be um, fruitful um, in, in 
some situations. And I agree with you, Jeremy, as a person of faith, as a woman of faith. Um, for me, it's the same thing. I, I go into those, particularly if it's a difficult conversation that I know that's coming up or a difficult person I've had. So that bad leader I've dealt with on multiple occasions, sometimes it really is, okay, Lord, uh, that's your child. Um, <laughs> and so please handle that because if I do, it would not be necessarily in the way that you would want me to. Um, and so I'm trying to do your work here today. So please, like I say, give me the words, give me what I need to say, how I need to say it, help that situation to be, um, to be a good one. Um, and for me as a person of faith that works. Um, and, but you know, but not everybody is where I am with regard to my faith. So I have to understand and respect that for where other people are, you know, but again, you know, trying to listen, trying to start with questions, trying to stay the calm in the middle of the storm that may be going on um, because to get sucked up into that uh, can just add fuel, so to speak, and more debris that's swirling around or add fuel to that fire that just makes it continue to burn that much hotter and that much faster. Um, so trying to keep the voice a little bit on the lower side, not escalate into whatever the situation um, may be and, and have those conversations uh, might be beneficial. I've, I've found that people, when you get into those escalated situations, reveal more about themselves than about you. Mm -hmm. They're able to understand that and, and see that person going through whatever it is they're going through and you're the outlet it's almost, for me, it's made it easier to kind of weather those storms. Uh, having a parent yell at you, having a coach, you know, get upset about something um, or, or anything like that. There's typically something else behind it. And it's not usually your fault. Um, if it is your fault, if you have the ability to, to step back and look at those things and to realize it um, and, and take ownership of it, it usually will kind of de-escalate itself, right? But when somebody starts yelling at you or tries to be a bully, they're really revealing something about themselves than about you. And that should help you a little bit going through those types of situations. And what's the phrase, when people tell you who they are, you need to believe them? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I know you got to run. So I would like to give you a chance if there's any closing, closing thoughts that you have, please feel free to share them. Thanks. Um, well, uh, Jeremy and John, it's been a pleasure to uh, to be on your uh, podcast today. I truly appreciate your reaching out and uh, having this conversation. I think it's an important conversation to have as we think about um, leadership and um, how we as athletic trainers are leaders in the things that we do in our athletic training facilities uh, with the um, as a part of the sports medicine team. Um, as a part of the healthcare team, I think it's important that we remember um, our role and our, our position, if you will, as leaders in that way. I think the other thing is, you know, our role as leaders in our associations, whether it's the national associations or uh, the NATA, the, the district um, or your state associations or even your local associations, we have a voice that uh, particularly as it relates to healthcare and issues in healthcare, where we can and should be leaders to step up uh, to assist um, with what may be going on in our communities, as well as what happens in our profession. And so, you know, take note of what bad leaders have done and what not to do. Um, and also continue to work with your uh, mentors if you have one and, and examples of good leadership to, to see what that um, 
what different leadership and better leadership absolutely looks like um, and get involved. And so uh, thank you for this important conversation. Yeah, thank you for being a part of it. Absolutely. Okay, so for me, this like this little fly that's still buzzing around on my face, it's throughout the whole podcast, it's, it's kind of like a symbol of what we got going on. Like there's just something little, it's not a big deal. Nobody else really sees it. It's just there. It's it's picking. It's irritating. Am I going to get mad? Am I going to walk away? Am I going to quit? Am I going to deal with it sometimes and, and let it go sometimes? And I think it just it fits perfectly with what we're going on here. I mean, I could just get up and go get a fly swatter and hit myself in the face and be very zealous about getting rid of this fly. Or I can just keep calm, look at the situation, and deal with it. And so, you know... It is just sometimes you take those situations and you, and you learn what am I going to do here and how does this apply to my life? And, you know, so much of this too, like we're talking about um, that, that coach standing over you, Dr. Shingles, um, sometimes I'm that guy with my kids and, and so much of these, this leadership stuff, I'm, I'm learning to, to put in place as, as the leader of my family as well. And, mm-hmm. and it's just such a good reminder to hear you say, you know, yeah, this, this, big coach stood over me and tried to intimidate me. Well, sometimes that's me with my kids. What am I doing? Am I building that relationship? Am I, am I instructing them in the way they should go? And so I I really appreciate you joining us, you sharing that story and encourage me. And of course, John, for uh, all the work, putting all this together. And then that little fly, just to remind (laughs) me of this, this little lesson that, that there's always something you just got to figure out how to deal with it. So, all right, John, you are the leader of this series. What you got for us? Well, you know, when I look at things, um, I know we, when we're looking at the chapter, it's, it's a deep chapter. It's about zealots. It's about mass murderers. It's about people who have taken an ideology and, and ran with it into uh, such a negative thing within the history of our, of, of our lives and uh, human history. Um, and I know it's a, it's a deeper we're, we're doing a deeper dive this season when it comes to um, leadership traits and, and leader th- um, leadership tactics. We know how to apply these tactics, but we we really have to understand how and um, how we apply them. I think having an understanding of different traits, uh, almost from a, a mythological understanding, we, we went a little deep today when we talked about faith and religion, and um, we talked a little bit about um, the, the mythology of it. I think it's going to help us better apply our skills uh, in both our professional and personal life. Um, like Dr. Ka- uh, like Dr. Games said last week, personal development is the same as professional development. So mm-hmm. if we can continuously fight the good fight, if we go back all the way to last season, talked about the Proteus problem where Menelaus fought the ever-changing god of the sea, if we can use all of those traits, we can be better leaders. So if we can learn from the bad people, we can learn and be better leaders ourselves. So um, with that, zealots are always fought by heroes. So Wednesday, we are going to be talking with Kevin Parker to discuss the idea of heroes as leaders. All right, so kind of last little thing on, on leadership here. We're talking about some bad leadership, some good leadership. So obviously, Myotech supports the podcast, is is doing great things out there. We are, John. So tell me a little bit about why you love Myotech's leadership. 
I absolutely love their leadership. Um, they have been great for athletic trainers in our area um, and nationwide. Uh, and I think part of it, and we, we talked about it a little bit tonight, today, not tonight, this morning. Uh, it's still morning for some of us, everybody. Um, you know, bad leaders lead from the top down sometimes, and they don't listen to other people. Uh, Myotech's been great at listening to what athletic trainers want. They are there to serve us while we serve our patient population. Uh, and that type of support is paramount when it comes to the care of everybody. So they are great leaders in listening to what we want and helping us supply uh, the things that we need for our student athletes and our patients. All right. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash leadership failures. You can check out Myotech. Uh, I'll have a link to them there. But Dr. Shingles, somebody wants to get a hold of you. What is going to be the best way to do that? Uh, probably the best way to reach me is uh, uh, by email at S-H-I-N-G, the number one, R-R, at C-M-I-C-H dot E-D-U. That's Shing1RR at cmich.edu. Uh, you can always, I'm at Central Michigan University. I'm the only uh, Renee Shingles at the university. So if you don't remember that, just type my name in uh, as a part of uh, Central Michigan and you'll find me. There you go. So obviously I have that, I'll have that in the show notes. I'll have a link there. But again, if you Google Renee Shingles, Dr. Renee Shingles, uh, Central Michigan Shingles, any of that stuff, you'll probably be able to find it as well. John, uh, last week we talked about how you're, you deleted your email off your phone. So actually, I just last night, because I noticed after that conversation that I was checking my email just because it was there, just because I was bored or whatever. Like, all right, well, so I'll pick up my phone. So I'll normally you know, press these four buttons, see what's going on there. So I took it off the, I didn't delete it off the phone, but I took it off the home screen so that now I'm going to have to search for the app to open up the, the email. And I'm just thinking, huh. So John mentioned that he took the email off his phone and that email is not going to be the best way to get a hold of him now. So John, you st Twitter is still the best way to get a hold of you, correct? Yeah. Twitter is a really good way to get a hold of me. I am still going to be responding to emails, um, just not as quickly as I have before in the past. Um, so Twitter is at John Seiko. That's J O H N C I E C K O. And my email is jcieco at bloomfield.org. We've gotten some good responses from people. Um, so I always welcome anybody. If they have any questions, comments, criticisms, please feel free to send those along to either one of those. And then if you want to get a hold of me, you can go to anywhere on the sportsmedicinebroadcast.com, but specifically the about page has ways to get a hold of me there. So again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash leadership failures is this one that I have contact uh, information and show notes and stuff about myotech and Dr. Shingles there. So without much further ado for John Seiko, Dr. Renee Shingles is from Central Michigan University, Jeremy Jackson and leadership failures. That is a wrap. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day.